Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage in Dane County. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Manchi, over in the Fox Valley area. Coach, how are we doing over there? Everything's going good. Excellent. And very excited on our guest today, talking about some major strength. Laura. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we're very excited uh, for our guest today. Obviously, for those of you that listen to our show on a regular basis. We appreciate, you know, sharing the show. We don't run ads on the show. Uh, we do it for knowledge base and, and trying to give back to our coaches and high school coaches and college coaches and athletes and whatnot, just trying to put as much knowledge out there as we can. And um, I was fortunate enough a couple of weeks ago to, to meet this lady um, in person and have her in Madison to do a seminar at, at my gym for my staff and a couple other coaches and followed her career when she was um, powerlifting with Westside Barbell and whatnot. Uh, and I'm talking about Laura Phelps. Laura's out of the Cincinnati area. Laura, are you over there? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm here. <laughs> we are very excited to have you, Laura. So for our listeners, if you could tell us a little bit just about yourself, kind of your a little bit about your background, because we'll get into it uh, a little right. bit more in depth. But let us uh, let our listeners know who you are and, and what you've done. Uh, so I did was powerlifting for, like you said, for 10 years from 2005 to the end of 2014. So I had about a, about a 10 year powerlifting career, um, representing Westside Barbell in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, so since then, since the end of 2014, I've just been focusing more on coaching people, coaching athletes remotely and in person, um, you know, so that's, that's like the gist of it. But like in my powerlifting career, I, broke all-time world records 45 times um, in, in competition. So that could be like even breaking my own record. Right. Um, and I like since then have held uh, nine of them, but a few of them have been broken in the last, what is that? 11? No, 2014. No, no. Last seven years. Sorry. Um, the last seven years, um, a couple of them have been broken. A bench record was recently broken and one of my squat records. Um, and my total record. So three of them at three. So now I think I hold uh, six all-time world records. Laura, before you started your powerlifting, you were in various forms of sports and competitions. Tell us about those and how they may have led to you as far as a, your competitive lifting goes. Uh, yeah, I grew up doing gymnastics. I started gymnastics when I was four and um, I did that all the way through the end of high school. So until I was 18 years old, and I did like some other things, you know, during that, like I did, I played soccer, I ran track, you know, things like that, but gymnastics was my main sport. So I really, I, I always talk about this. I always credit my gymnastics background, you know, as helping me with powerlifting and, you know, different things that I've done since then, because, you know, mostly with powerlifting, I think mostly, you know, not only the flexibility, but the tendon strength um, in the body awareness, you know, I had really good body awareness from powerlifting, you know, so when it's like, okay, you need to, you know, uh, engage your lats, you know, or on a certain lift on deadlift or on bench press. It's like, I knew how to do that, you know? Um, and actually later after, after high school and after gymnastics, I did some running. I did a lot of like five K's, 10 K's half marathons and a couple marathons. And then, um, I did that, you know, through college, just cause I just really didn't know what else to do. I didn't have knowledge of strength training yet. But after college is when I started doing strength training, but not for powerlifting. I did uh, bodybuilding. So uh, my background in gymnastics helped with my bodybuilding as well. I did three bodybuilding shows. And to me, that was just, you know, 
the mind muscle connection was there. So I knew how to, you know, flex certain things and engage certain things in training. Uh, but I didn't really have any knowledge of powerlifting at the time, uh, until actually when I was at a bodybuilding gym, a couple of powerlifters were there and, you know, started talking about powerlifting and there were some local non-sanctioned powerlifting meets that were happening in the area. And, uh, I did them for fun, but not intending to like actually be a powerlifter. I just was like, well, I, you know, I bench heavy in training and I deadlift heavy, you know, I, this, it's not like anything different, but when I did it, it, it was different. It was really, it was really cool, you know, like to actually like max out and, you know, everybody that was there was supportive and really the camaraderie was really cool. So I thought that was neat. And, um, and the couple of guys that I had met at that gym, they decided, they were like, let's do an actual powerlifting. I mean, one that's actually sanctioned where we squat also, and we picked out a competition that summer. So we had about, um, we had about six months to train for that. So, uh, at the time back in 2005, powerlifting was very different. There, everybody wore equipment, which was like, you know, the, the squat suits that you might see people wear those bench press shirts that are really tight. Uh, everybody wore that in competition. So, you know, I immediately just had to start ordering everything for the competition, you know, because everything I did with bodybuilding training was raw, we call it raw, you know, no assist assistive equipment whatsoever. Uh, so I just had to like start ordering everything and learning everything. Um, you know, so I, the, the equipment is, it takes a lot of technique to, to learn that as well. So when it comes to equipped powerlifting, my gymnastics background also helped me a lot with that because with, um, with equipped powerlifting, there's a lot of, like I said, so much technique involved, you know, just because someone is strong doesn't mean that they're going to put on the, the gear we call it and, um, be able to just instantly bench press two, 200 pounds more. Like, yes, it's possible to bench 200 pounds more, but you have to have very good technique, very good body awareness, um, and whatnot. So I think that, you know, again, there, therefore my, my gymnastics background really helped, um, with that and the flexibility, I can really get into a, an arch on the bench press and I can squat, you know, with this, the squat suits, you have to squat super wide and sit back, you know, the squatting, standing in a wide stance position, you know, just felt natural to me. You know, some people it is not natural. <laughs> you know, Laura, I get that question at the high school level, a lot from parents, you know, when their kids are young, I'm at the high school level, but a lot of the parents, I know that their kids are, you know, elementary, middle school, you know, they ask me, you know, what would be a competitive advantage? And, you know, the object of our podcast is get your edge. So when right. you got involved with that gymnastics, was that parent, you know, did the parents just sign you up? Was that something that you saw that you were interested in? You know, how did that I, come I was the oldest of four. And I think that um, my mom just signed me up because like, I, you know, when you're little and you're a little girl, it's like, you know, I did some dance and, you know, you, you get them into like the girly type things, dance, gymnastics, things like that. But gymnastics is what I liked. I didn't really like, you know, I did dance, but, you know, gymnastics was the one thing that I really stuck with. I, you know, I talk about this a lot too, is that I just was like this strategic quitter. Like I just like would do something for maybe a year or two and then done. I'm on to the next thing. Cause I was just searching for the thing that I really liked and gymnastics kept my interest for 14 years, you know? So it wasn't like a, um, nowadays, you know, people put their kids in gymnastics because they know that this is like really good. Even if they don't become like a high level gymnast, it's going to at least be helpful into, you know, uh, as a good base for whatever sport they get into or whatever. But that was not the case. That was not why I, my parents enrolled me in gymnastics. It was just like, oh, we'll just get her into different sports and see what she likes. And, um, and I ended up just sticking with gymnastics for the longest. Well, and I think, you know, when we talk on our podcast a lot, Laura, about multi-sport athletes and, 
if you would tell a parent of high school kids or college or any female or male that let's be realistic, you're probably considered the, you know, the world's strongest woman, or at least, you know, the top. Right, right, yeah. Also ran marathons, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I mean, we, you know, I train distance runners and, and a lot of the coaches will be like, oh, they shouldn't lift heavy. They shouldn't, you know what I mean? And I mean, it, it's right there in front of you. I mean, you have a, you did a sport that was pretty much all body weight dominated with gymnastics. You ran marathons, you ran four and yeah. 10 Ks, five Ks, and you're also lifting heavy weights. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just shows that athletes should be involved in multiple disciplines sure. to make totally. themselves better, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, I still to this day run, I didn't run um, anything like long distance or anything like that when I was like really heavy into the competitive powerlifting. Um, just, you know, with powerlifting, especially it's that one rep max, it's explosive. I didn't really want to run long distance and train a totally different energy system, but um, I still to the, you know, even though I don't compete in powerlifting anymore, I still train the West side, the conjugate system, but I run a lot now again, like not, not probably like I used to when I was in my early twenties. Um, but I, you know, I still do that now. And I still, you know, and I really think that the lifting heavy with and combined with running and I do other things, I uh, do CrossFit workouts and, you know, which involves other, you know, other athletic things, you know, box jumping and rope climbing and stuff like that. And the, 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 basis of everything is that strength training. Like I really wish actually back when I really was into, um, all like a lot of the running that I would have had the knowledge of strength training at the time and been able to, you know, if, how would I have done, I wasn't that great of a runner, you know, I'm, I'm short, I'm stocky. I'm not very good at like fast, long distance, but I can go forever, you know, but, um, I really wish I could have seen what it would have been like if I was a runner and, doing the conjugate system, you know, I think it would have been a lot better. I think my body would have felt a lot better, you know, cause I wasn't doing anything else. And, you know, with the running, I was just run, 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 instead of like actually building my body and building my posterior chain. Yeah. And Amy Davis, who's been on our podcast, who I've trained since she was in high school, she's a competitive distance runner and she just ran at the Olympic trials and we trained her with the conjugate system. You yeah. know, I mean, she's 98 pounds, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but, but kind of moving on, Laura. So you went you had your first meet, your first sanctioned meet, uh, which is a kind of a neat story yeah. because I think at that meet is where you met Louis Simmons. Um, and you have kind of a interesting story of, of what happened right. in the warm-up room. Um, yeah. You know, with, actually with, where you, I met Louis was actually in my third competition, but it was okay. very quickly after my first one. My first one was in the summer was in June of 2005. And, um, that's when I was totally hooked. I was like, okay, I got to do this. I, um, I, I would been looking at the world records online. Well, actually, I don't even know where you could look at them then. I don't know. Um, but I knew what the world records were. And I knew that my squat was the, you know, was probably the most reasonable, which to me is crazy now. Like if, if I have a client or something like that and in their first meet, even though I just had a client that just broke a world record in her first multiply meet this weekend, it still is like, you almost think like, okay, that's a little unrealistic to think that you're going to break a world record that quickly. Usually, you know, you think like it's going to take years and years of training. But in my first meet, I squatted 551 and um, the world record at the time in my weight class, which was 165 was 611. And to me, I was like 60 pounds. Okay. I can do that. You know, um, which is just like, still to me, like this day, it just blows my mind that I actually was like, oh, 60 pounds, no big deal. You know, at that level, at that, at that weight. Um, but there, at the time, the biggest competition in the world for multiply lifting was the WPO. 
And it was at the time, uh, they only men could qualify for that when they did have women, but they were guest lifters. Um, you, you like your numbers would count, but you weren't really competing against each other for the money. They had big prize money. So women were guest lifters, but I still, I, I wanted to be there on the biggest stage. And, um, but nobody really knew who I was. I was, you know, I'd just done this local meet and did that weight. And so I, I, I wrote the guy and asked if I could do the competition. I said, I promise I'll break a world record. Um, you know, I'm super close to it. And so long story short, he did let me in to compete. And that's where I met Louie. I, 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 in the warmup room, everybody of everybody was there, you know, all the top lifters in the whole world were in that warmup room, you know, uh, warming up and getting ready. And Louie was back there and yeah, he, on my last warmup attempt, I think it was, I was going, I was, this is crazy. I was going out there and I was, my first attempt was going to be 617 to break the world record. I wasn't even going to like open conservative and then take it maybe on my second attempt or maybe my third. I just was going for it. I was going 617 on my opener. So I think my last warm up was somewhere around probably 570 or 560. And I just, I, Louie cheered for me and I just like dropped like a ton of bricks. I didn't even squat the weight. I, I you know, I was just like, but I didn't have time to, when the, when you're in all the equipment, it's, it's a lot. It's like, takes a few minutes to get it, you know, strapped up and get the, um, the, my knee wraps, my, you know, somebody was wrapping my knees and stuff. So we didn't have time to retake that attempt. So it was just like, I didn't squat the weight, but here I was going to go out there, you know, open up with like 50 more pounds than that. So, I mean, I was so nervous. It was unreal, but, um, I, I don't know. I just something about being on, a stage like that to me was like gymnastics. I was so used to like being a single sport athlete, you know, where everybody's watching me. Um, you know, if I was, if I'm a gymnast, I'm out there doing a floor routine by myself, you know? So to me, being up on the platform was like, felt good. I, I feel I, I, I feed off the energy of the crowd. So I think that helped. I was so nervous, but like I went out there and I, yeah, I opened up with 617 and I got that. So that was a world record. And then I did 661 on my second attempt and I got that. And then I took 683 on my third attempt and got that as well. Um, and in powerlifting, you can take a fourth attempt if it's a world record. And I tried 705 and I almost got it, but, um, but yeah, so that was my first meet. And that was just, it just, that day changed my whole life. Cause yeah, then Louis really took notice then. And then I got a sponsorship immediately right then after squats, like this, the, the company that makes all the, the powerlifting equipment, like the squat suits and bench shirts, uh, they spawned, they picked me up right then, you know, which was awesome because, uh, you know, a squat suit is almost $400, you know, same with a bench shirt, you know, so everything is very expensive. So yeah, that was, that was like my first world record, but it was only, um, so June, that was the end of September. So less than three months after my first uh, meet. So. Or talk about nervous. Uh, I remember about probably about 15, 20 years ago, I was a young strength coach and I wanted to learn more about the West Side Barbell Method. And I gave Louie a call. Yeah. And here I'm thinking, geez, you know, I did some research and, you know, this gruff guy, this, you know, guru on powerlifting and, and everything. And I was kind of a little starstruck and I said, you know what? I'm just going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to give him a call. Yeah. And yeah. if he big leagues me, big leagues me. And, you know, so <laughs> be it. I called him and I think we were on the phone for an hour. Oh, yeah. And most of the stuff he was telling me was way over my head at that oh, time yeah. <laughs> of my coaching career and my strength knowledge. But I, I just always have so much respect for Louie. Right. And remember him, call me, you know, anytime you got any questions and he steered me in the right direction with some books and, you know, some articles. And I remember I did call him back a couple more times and he was right there 
right yeah. there to help you out, invited me out there and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, the next question amazing. to you is, <laughs> what's it like to train there? It, um, I get that question a lot because people have seen um, what they hear stories, read articles, or have seen the documentary and they're just like, wow, that is intense and it's hardcore. So they just assume that I was like in the mix of all that. And it's like, no, I never actually lived in Columbus. So I didn't train there full time. Um, I always would go there on the weekends and I would do two of my uh, workouts there on the weekends. And so I really kind of missed all of that. Actually, well, what you see in the documentary is like even before my time, that's definitely before my time. Um, and so my experience with Louis is, is different. You know, I think he's a little more, you know, gentle with the women and stuff, you know, so he was very, he was always supportive, encouraging. Like I I've always had like amazing interactions with Louis. I've never had like any of these, you know, hardcore, like, you know, interactions that people hear about and whatever. My, my experience there was always very pleasant and very good, you know, but it is, you know, it's a tough place to be, you know, you have to work hard, you know, to be able to, to, to hang there. You know, I've seen people in like the big guys group, like let's say on a Friday morning, I've seen people come visit who are really strong guys and try to hang with the guys there. And they end up either puking, you know, quitting or whatever, you know, so it's sort of like they kind of weed people out right at the door, you know? So, uh, it's, it was, it was amazing. And I still, you know, try to get up there whenever I can, and, um, or, you know, Louie and Doris and I will meet for breakfast sometimes because it's like halfway is about 45 minutes, 45 minutes for each of us. So we'll meet, um, at Max and Irma's and have breakfast and just like talk about everything that's going on and, you know, everything with Louie, cause everything changes all the time. Even, you know, from what I know of the conjugate system, the West side conjugate system, it changes constantly. I'll, you know, see the, the videos online and stuff. I'm like, man, what are they doing now? You know? So you almost have to go there on a regular basis to, to learn, you know, what Louis experimenting with and what he, you know, cause he's constantly experimenting. I mean, nothing ever stays the same there. So Laura, I, you know, I think since the documentary came out, obviously the conjugate system, I think is becoming even more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, than it was before uh, with those of us that actually knew about it before and researched what was going on at West Side. So your seminar that you did with us, and we'll talk about that later, was fantastic, the knowledge that you, you gave to my staff. But in a brief summary, I know we could talk about the conjugate method for, for hours. If you could give our listeners kind of a brief summary of what the conjugate system, conjugate method, however you want to say it is, yeah. Um, because it without, and it's something that we utilize at sports advantage with our kids, seventh grade and up, um, because we believe in it so much. So if you could give us a brief synopsis of of what it actually is. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like, I mean, it's a system for athletes. So even like, um, people, I think maybe assume that it's just for power lifters, but it's actually not. It was like Louis developed it for athletes and we just kind of adapted it for powerlifting, you know, but you kind of have, you have two day, two max effort days you know, two heavy days, I should say, and then two submaximal days. So that could look different for any sport. You know, those heavy days could, they don't necessarily have to be the, those, you know, squat bench deadlift, the big three movements. They can be, you know, something that's more, you know, adapted to whatever that sport is, you know, something that's, uh, you know, low repetition, you know, heavy. And then you have a day for submaximal weight. That's what we call dynamic effort day, you know, where everything is submaximal in the 50 to 60% range. Well, actually, if you, you know, we do 50 to 50 to 
60% bar weight plus accommodating resistance, you know, but if someone's doing straight weight or using a different type of movement as their dynamic effort work, it's more in the 70 to 80% range, you know, I guess I should say effort. Um, but a lot of the conjugate system is accessory work, you know, so 80, we, we would say 80% of the training is accessory work. So people think like it's, of powerlifting, especially as just being a lot of squatting, a lot of benching, a lot of deadlifting, but really with a conjugate system, that's only 20% of your workload for the week. The other 80% of your, of your workload is all accessory movements, special exercises, things that are building those one rep max. If, if you're a powerlifter, you know, or, you know, building whatever, you know, whatever sport you're in, th those are the special exercises, you know, that are the most important that I think are the biggest key to the conjugate system, you know, because some other systems, you know, might just be a lot, like I said, lots of squatting, lots of benching, a lot of deadlifting. So we look at it as longevity, you know, so the way it's set up like that, you know, with, with the accessory work and with your special exercise days and sled work for GPP it's it's, it's so well-rounded that it's the deloading is built into it. So, a lot of, you know, you, you never have these systems where you have to do a block and then a deload week, you know, the, the, the recovery is built into it. So there's never really a need to like have deload unless we always say like you know if you have environmental factors you know things in your personal life that would require you to need a deload yes like you know that's not to say that we never say like hey we need like a, a pretty down week here because this person is super stressed out you know not sleeping you know things like that that would you know require you to adjust the training but if all things are good you're eating well and sleeping well hydrated um, you're, you should be able to just, it's just an ongoing system, you know, that's, you know, you might peak and we might change it where if you have a, a, an event or a competition, you know, then yes, you know, we have like a delayed transformation phase of 21 day, you know, where we peak and then we, um, and then we taper down into whatever your competition might be, you know, so it's pretty awesome. I mean, I love it. I, I mean, I just think it's obviously I'm biased or whatever, but I just think it's just the, the best system for, powerlifting, of course, but also for any, any sport, any sport at all. You know, I think so many coaches, you know, they want to do the conjugate method Yeah. and, you know, then they always have to, you know, make the method, you know, conducive to their facilities, you know, right. we have lots of different high school weight rooms and we got oh, yeah. private facilities and things like that. So what do you think is a big uh, common mistake that coaches, when they implement the conjugate system, they, they do wrong? Um, so there's a lot of common mistakes. So with, um, the max effort day doing too much volume, like if you are using a, some sort of barbell lift for your max effort day, um, doing too many attempts, too much volume at a high percentage, you know, so I always, you know, my rule is very simple. It's seven to nine total attempts. Um, when you're talking about that main lift, uh, three attempts at or above 90% and that's it. So sometimes when people don't go in with a plan, so that, that'd be another mistake is being underprepared, you know, not going into your workout with a plan. So going in with a plan so that you can lay out your attempts, you make sure that you get those three attempts at or above 90%, but not more than that, you know, so you're not doing too much volume to tax your central nervous system, but you're also not, you're not uh, doing not enough either. You know, sometimes people will take huge jumps they are done in three attempts you know, they really got no volume in, you know, so just controlling your volume. Um, and then on your dynamic effort days, you know, also basing your percentages off of what you're, that lift you're actually doing. We were talking about in the seminar with the box squat with, you know, a lot of our dynamic effort work is done on a box. 
Um, and so people will say, if I say 50% bar weight plus 25% accommodating resistance box squat, they'll base that 50% off of their one rep max free squat, which is different. You should be be able to free squat more than you can box squat. Typically, um, there's some outliers there, but you know, some people will end up base, you know, going too heavy on dynamic effort day. Like they'll say, well, well, it feels too light. It should feel light. You should go fast. It's, it's all about speed and, um, short rest periods. So, you know, they'll do a set and they'll wait two minutes. And then of course the next set's going to feel super light again. But if you just, if you're doing it properly, the 20 second rest periods between your, uh, dynamic effort, your squats and your pulls, um, you know, so people will end up saying, just feeling like it's too light. And they just want to go heavy all the time. So they end up going too heavy on dynamic effort day. And now you have a heavy max effort day, a heavy dynamic effort day for both upper and lower, and you're just doing too much heavy. So that's when, you know, people, I don't believe in overtraining because if your training is laid out, right. Um, and if you're, you know, sleep well and, and eat well, um, but that is one way you could overtrain is just by not having a plan, not sticking to the plan, going too heavy on dynamic effort day or doing too much volume on, on a max effort day. So those are like some key things, you know, right off the bat that people do wrong and just, you know, yeah, just not having a plan, you know, just kind of winging it, you know, and, and not focusing on accessory work that builds someone's weaknesses. You know, sometimes people, if they don't have a plan and it's not like laid out in, you know, some sort of fashion a week at a time, at least, you know, um, then they'll tend to, and if left to their own training, they'll just pick the things that they like, that they're good at, you know, and you end up neglecting things that you're weak at. So I always, you know, if I'm doing programming for someone, you know, we just have to focus. We don't keep forget anything. We don't only focus on the weakness. We do not forget about the weaknesses, you know, the things that people don't like to do. So before we go any farther, all of our spoke, sport coaches that are listening. I, I want you to hear this point because I think it's run, rang true for me for the last 20 minutes. The reason why the conjugate system, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, applies to sports even more is when you're talking about the emphasis on, you know, weak areas right. that, that you're not having. That's injury prevention. Yeah, it, absolutely. Whether it's powerlifting, sports, anything like that. If you have an area in your body that's weak, doesn't function properly. If you don't have the right muscle moving the right joint at the right time, that's where hamstring injuries occur, yeah. low back injuries occur. So right. for those of you that are listening to this and aren't putting, you know, connecting the dots, this is a huge, this is why, in my opinion, I really fell in love with the conjugate system because like the main job you have as a, as a strength and conditioning coach for athletes is to keep your kids on the field. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you can't, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. Right. So I think, <laughs> To me, this, again, Laura, this, this is just injury prevention, you know, and you, we're just using different words, right? You're using yeah. an accessory to build. We're using as accessories to keep them on the field. It's true. And I mean, that's why, like, you see a lot of the West Side powerlifters, I mean, they lift for decades and decades and decades. They don't just, like, get really strong and break all these records and then they're gone. You see that a lot. Um, but with West Side athletes, you'll see people, I mean, the longevity is where it's at. And it's, and it's truly because of all of those special exercises, um, really being so well-rounded, like, you know, I, I, I guess I, I could say another common mistake is people don't do their, do ab work. Um, so when we talk about imbalances, you know, they'll, they might do it. Maybe they do do a, a ton of stuff for their spinal rectors, you know, but nothing for the abs, you know, that's an imbalance, you know, 
when we talk about back pain, like if you have weak abs, like you're asking for a back injury or back pain, you know? So you're right. Like, you know, keeping everything balanced and not, you know, not like not neglecting anything, not like focusing only on something specific, you know, you have to really build your posterior chain, especially just because everything is, people are obviously so, you know, front dominant quads, you know, shoulders, pecs, everything, you know, so with the conjugate system, we have obviously a really heavy emphasis on, on the posterior chain to help to, yeah, to help prevent injury. Train the chain, baby. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Laura, you touched on it before, like when you started, you know, powerlifting was, was a heavily dominated sport by males. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think for so long, strength training in general has been perceived as a male type of dominated sport. People oh, yeah. like you that are, are breaking through and showing, hey, females have a place here too. And actually, you know, we're pretty damn strong and we can compete um, are really kind of gr- is great for a young female athletes. So um, how do you positively encourage young female athletes and lifters, you know, and, and talk about the value of strength training? Because again, I think there's still those perceptions with some of our maybe older coaches that coach sports that don't think kids should lift in season, that don't think girls should lift heavy and things like that. And obviously I, I would think you'd have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mean about like, just like women in strength training? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's kind of becoming hard not to notice anymore. You know, I mean, at least in powerlifting, which is, you know, more of my arena, like we've got, um, I mean, there, I'm like, I said, like I used to compete and there'd be like, I'd be the only female in the, in a competition, you know, and then it got a little bit better. CrossFit brought a lot of women to powerlifting because, you know, they would join a CrossFit gym and end up finding that they liked lifting and not really doing the conditioning part. So we got gained a lot of female powerlifters, you know, via CrossFit, but now it's just becoming like, even just socially women are realizing that like, it's cool to be strong. It feels good to actually be strong. And it's, you know, like people are seeing the physique of the strong women's body to be awesome as well. You know, like, you know, it's not anymore like where people are like, oh, I want to be skinny. Everybody wants to actually be strong and look strong. And, um, you know, we were talking when I was out there, you know, about one thing though, that's still needs some work though, is just, yeah. In the strength and conditioning world, you know, males, some males, have a hard time listening to a female, you know what I mean? They just think like, how could they know what, you know, what is good for the male body, but look how many, how, how many females had to be coached by male strength coaches. You know what I mean? Like if they can, if they can understand the woman's body, like a woman can understand a man's body too. Like we've had to like level up to them. You know what I mean? Like, I think it'd be harder for the other way around, but we have had to like really level up and like, you know, understand how to push ourselves, you know, with the guys, you know, so, you know, and that's always what I've always had to do. I've always been in the guy in the gym with guys. I've, you know, um, now been coaching guys, you know, like a lot of the, the clients that I have are female, but I do have a several really strong male powerlifters as like remote clients or, you know, in, in person as well at our gym, you know, so I've worked a lot with, with men and have tried to really advocate for, um, women in strength and strength and conditioning, because, you know, we, like you said, we do know what we're talking about. Like, you know, it's, it's just a matter of men being open and receptive to hearing a woman, you know, and just, you know, whether it's subconscious or not, you know, they just think like, 
how could she know what she's talking about? But I think it's kind of hard to ignore the, you know, at this point, you know, we've got a lot of different initiatives. You know, there's an initiative in, in uh, I, well, I wouldn't say powerlifting, but strength in, in general, this main event project there, you know, it's just a group of females that came together to try to like really do that, like in different arenas, whether it's strong woman, strong man, or powerlifting or whatever, like just creating like an equal platform for, for men and for women. Laura, give us some get your edge advice for our athletes that are listening. You know, what would suggestions would you give to them, both male and female, um, yeah. how they can get that edge on the competition? Um, well, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before is about having a plan, you know, like being prepared. Like I cannot even describe how how important that is because like I, I know with myself even, and I'm a disciplined person. I, if I don't have a plan, I'm just gonna, whether it's like inadvertent or not, um, I am gonna lean towards things that I like to do or things that, you know, are fun to do and, or that I'm good at. You know, when I actually have a plan, you know, I get much better results. When I follow a plan um, and I'm, you know, focusing on my weaknesses, you know, so preparation is incredibly important. Um, you know, being prepared and uh, what was I going to say too? I had, I had another one on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember, um, being, yeah, just being prepared I, is what I can say and being disciplined. You know, I, you know, I talk about that a lot, you know, motivation, you're not always going to be motivated to train and to do all the work that it takes to get better, but, um, developing your discipline is the most, you know, to me is incredibly important because I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not always motivated to train, you know, even when I was, you know, competing in powerlifting, I wasn't always motivated to go into the, into the gym and, you know, I would look at what I was supposed to do for the day and it was just so heavy and it was just like, but I, you know, I still, you know, you just go in, you do it because, because of discipline, you rely on discipline because then, you know, because motivation comes in waves, you know, but if you, if you stay disciplined, that's when those, those are the people that make the most progress. When you, when you get off track on your goals, so everybody's, you know, disciplined, you know, things are going right. You got that bad day. Maybe you miss a day. Maybe you get sick. But how do you, do you have a, a reminder, a cue or, or something that works for you to get you back on, you know, to get the train back on the tracks kind of? So to um, I would say to, to, to develop a routine then, because I like if I am not like have, don't have like some sort of routine, daily routine. If, if things are just like, if I wake up at different times and if I, you know, do all these things, eat at different times, I can easily fall off of things. So I try to, I wake up at the same time every day, even regardless of if I, you know, have to be at work or be at the gym or, you know, whatever I wake up at the same time every day, you know, there's just certain things that I just do every day so that, you know, so I'm not left to like, just having to find the, the motivation to walk out the door, you know, it's like, no, you wait, you set your alarm for the same time, you know, developing routine, I think is helpful, you know, um, because yeah, like you said, like if you miss one day for some reason, it's no big deal because the next morning that alarm is going to go off, you know, early in the morning, um, and you're going to be ready to go. I mean, that's assuming too, like you need to get sleep. Sleep is one of the most important like recovery tools for any athlete, you know, so making sure you get enough sleep, but just developing routines. So that means, you know, we're talking talk about de developing routines, going to bed at, you know, at a certain time every night, you know, and not just like waiting till you get tired, just kind of just trying to get in, find what, that doesn't mean that every person is, um, is 
you know, good for waking up early. I mean, there's, there's a lot of studies to that, that like show that, you know, it's like, you know, some people are like, oh, you got to wake up like at four o'clock in the morning, you know, you'd be more productive, but that's actually not true. Like figuring out what is your best, you know, time frame for sleeping and getting up. Um, but whatever that is, just trying to stay pretty regular with that. Like I found that even as I've gotten older, like I get so much more accomplished, you know, even with my own training, um, when I stay in, in a, in a good routine where I go to, am very disciplined about what time I go to bed, what time I get up, you know, it just staying in that routine, you know, has made me make a lot more progress than just kind of like winging it each day. So did you journal at all, or, you know, write stuff down like each workout? I know a lot of the, yeah. the, the people that are very successful, whether they're in a sport, you know, they'll, they'll journal their practice and how it went and how it felt. Is that something you know, that you do as a, as a power lifter that was helpful to you? Um, I, I mean, with the conjugate system, you definitely almost have to, because there's so many variations. Like when we're talking about, like we talk about max effort, um, we do different variations of max effort. So if, if we're doing, let's say it's max effort lower, it might be a deadlift one week. It might be a squat the next week, but we do different variations. It might be a deadlift against bands or a deadlift against chains or a squat against chan chains or a squat against bands. So, you know, when you're rotating these max effort movements, you know, and there's so much variety, you know, you might not come back to the same movement for several months, but you, you're not going to probably remember what you got the last time when you did the max effort movement. So, you know, documenting your training is like almost necessary to do that. Cause you're not, you know, to be able to track your progress um, but so, yes, I did that, but I, I wasn't really much about like writing down, like, you know, how I felt that day or whatever, like I probably should have, you know, there's, you know, when we talk about like, you know, oh, what would you do different? That might be one thing that I probably would do different to kind of track that. So I could see, you know, like different, um, patterns or things that were going in my life or certain times of the month, you know, like, um, you know, things like that would have been even more, I came from that time era and powerlifting where everything was just like a little bit more hardcore, you know, like you eat whatever, you know, you try to get in all the calories and you, you know, you just, you just, you just do it, you know, where nowadays everything is a little bit more like, okay, let's be health conscious. Let's watch what we eat. Let's, you know, focus on hydration and everybody's getting massages and dry needling and all these things, you know, so there's a lot more attention to that, but I would highly re recommend that, you know, because there is a lot of value to journaling those type of things. So Laura, you know, when you, when you came out and again, I can't speak enough about how awesome the, the time you spent with our staff, but also the time that I get to spend with you um, yeah. Friday night and just, just chatting and, and talking and things like that. I mean, she, she indulged in some cheese curds as she was. Oh yeah. When we went out for dinner on quick story, I sat down and I said, I said, well, we should get an appetizer. And I said, well, Laura, how do you feel about cheese curds? She goes, absolutely. And I was like, perfect. We got the right <laughs> person here. Um, but just give our, our listeners a quick breakdown kind of, of your one day seminars, because honestly, and, and I said this in, a, in an Instagram post, and I meant it. I've been to a, a, a ton of seminars as a strength coach over my 25-year career. And the, just the, the re-education and the revisiting technique and coaching cues was, I, I can't even speak to how much it's going to help my staff to help me just be energized and things like that. Just talk to our listeners just for a few minutes here about 
your one day seminars because my staff and and the couple of coaches that were there got so much out of it. Yeah. Well, I used to be part of the CrossFit powerlifting staff and it was two full days of a lot of talking about everything. And it's like, people really want that knowledge, but they really, they want to just do hands-on. So I kind of like figured out, like, I was like, I'm going to do my own like clinics like this, where it's around five hours where we can really be more hands-on. We can talk about the conjugate system, but more of it is like, I really, what benefited me the most in my powerlifting career was you know, not only getting strong through the conjugate system, but the emphasis and the focus on tr- like perfecting my technique. Um, and then couple that with having that body awareness from gymnastics, I really felt like I had like this, this knowledge of being able to help people perfect their technique. So I could see what they're doing and I could see what they're doing wrong. Cause I can like watch someone, I can feel it in my own body, you know, like that body awareness, I can see what they're doing wrong. And I can feel um, my, even myself, like how it would be more effective to change their technique to make it more effective for them. So, you know, not every person is different. So like not every person will be, you know, doing the exact same technique. So just really individualizing each person's um, needs and and technique to make, make it more optimal. So we'd focus on the box squat um, just because that for sports, especially is the most effective tool. You know, I, you know, with, with athletes, it's like, you know, they might need to do some sort of testing for a free squat. But I mean, in my opinion, like for athletes, you know, being on a box squat is just so much more, not only is it more effective, has more transfer into sport, but it also is safer. You know, um, you know, you've, there's no question on depth. You've got a box height. Um, they're not going below, they're going to parallel, not below parallel. Um, they're sitting back into a vertical shin angle. So there's no sheer force on their knee joint. Um, or anything like that, you know, with a free squat, their, you know, knee might be traveling far over their toes or, or whatever, you know, so there's just, it's, it's easier on their body, but yet more effective in their, in their training and in their sport. Um, so that's why we really focus a lot on the box squat because it is, it's very technical. And so if people don't really have the training in the box squat, likely they're going to do it wrong. Um, so I really want to help people get the most out of the box squat. So that's we, why we focus a lot on the box squat. Um, and then we do the deadlift. So we focus on both styles, sumo and conventional, because they both help each other and they both have their place in whether it's in powerlifting or in uh, sports in general. So we go over the proper technique um, to get the most out of the uh, the conventional deadlift and the sumo deadlift. And in, like I said, individualizing each person's technique, because I mean, that should look different for each person because of the way that they're built, the way their leverages are. So we go over, um, you know, really each person getting to get that attention on their technique for uh, both styles of deadlift and the same thing for bench press. So we go over technique on bench press. Um, and even with athletes, you know, the way I teach it obviously is obviously going to be effective for powerlifting, but it's, it's also beneficial and effective for any strength athlete because of the way we set up, you know, and we are actually the way I set up is in a way to it's, it protects the shoulders, you know, so that's so important bench press. It should not be a movement that damages your shoulders, you know? So we really, you know, focus on the technique to, to make it effective, but also safe and preventing injuries. So bench press technique. And then I go over some key accessory movements that have a lot of carryover into, you know, building those three lifts as well that are kind of unique and not your standard typical, like maybe bodybuilding style accessory movement. They're, they're very unique accessory movements. So we kind of cram all that into, into the day. 
Well, and I thought, I mean, it was a perfect amount of time. Yeah. I, there was, yeah. You no, know, you get, what's nice about it is, you know, you get the background, the conjugate system, you get to talk about utilization of it. Um, and, and you get a free open forum, right? Where you, yeah. you can have open conversations because a lot of times you go to seminar and sometimes a person speaking for 55 minutes, or like you said, they're speaking for two days. Yeah. You know, both, you, you don't feel like you want to ask a question in that 55 minute one. And then like you're on the second part of the second day and everybody's just like, can I get the hell out of here? I, I know, I'm just tired and you're zoned as, out. As, yeah, <laughs> as a presenter too, you know? So I, I can't, all of our listeners, you know, I would recommend having her out for one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely, I haven't really started scheduling anything for 2022 yet, but I'm definitely open to, you know, kind of going wherever and getting the word out. I mean, I really enjoyed your, like your facility just because it was in your staff, because I, you know, a lot of times when I go to um, a gym, it might, I'm speaking maybe only to power lifters, you know, so it was kind of cool to, to have a different um, audience this time. So Laura, where can they, what's your website? Website? And um, then yeah, it's queen, queenbpower.com. That's where everything is. That's where, um, you know, you can email me. There's information on seminars. If I haven't, if I have anything scheduled and there's um, links, my YouTube is team QBP, like queen Bee power team QBP. There's, there's tons of videos on there on proper um, technique awesome. on, on everything you can think of, you know, and I'm always kind of constantly uploading new ones onto my YouTube page, but everything you can find everything there on queenbeepower.com. Dean, anything else for Laura before we let her, let her, let her go here? <laughs> oh, just one last thing about technique, you know, you know, how important it is in, in obviously the sport of powerlifting, but in everything that we do in, in Brian sports advantage gyms and all the high school, college, you know, weight rooms around, but you know, a lot of times when you're dealing with especially a lot of the male athletes I have found, you know, it's just like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get that weight up. It's right. you know, fast completion. Right. And then when I've trained female athletes, females were very detailed and, and very into <laughs> making sure that they're doing the lift properly. Right. So a lot easier to coach more involved than, Hey, I want to master this form. So a little bit of a, a quick advice you give to those male athletes that, Hey, you know, I got the weight up you know, what would you say to those athletes in a weight room setting? Um, I mean, just to take a step back, like, and, you know, try to check the ego at the door. It's not about like the, unless you're doing a powerlifting competition, really what, like, what's, it's not about the weight you're moving. It's about how you do it perfectly. So people will ask, you know, like how much weight should I use for um, this, this movement for this many reps? It's like, well, how much weight can you, what's the most amount of weight you can use with perfect form? So it's like, you know, like having someone hold you accountable and say like, you can't go up and wait on this next set unless that set was like perfect technique, you know, the technique was perfect, like it moved well, you know, don't allow yourself to take that next rep and unless it's, um, you know, unless, the, like I said, the technique is there and it's obvious that the, you have, you know, more weight there. We don't want to, with the conjugate system, we really emphasize not failing. There shouldn't be a failed rep. Um, so you don't even want to put yourself in a situation like that, where there's a possibility of failing. So when it comes to max effort, like I said, like your max effort is, is that the heaviest weight you can do for that amount of reps with perfect technique? Like once technique starts breaking down, that's when you shut it down and you go on to accessories. If you know, you have to remember that, um, you get stronger through the accessory work when we're doing like one rep maxes, those are just testers. They're not builders. So like, what's the point of like, like 
taking a weight where you just do whatever it takes to get up. Like that's literally doing nothing for you, except for your ego. That's not even like making you stronger. Um, you know, the, the, what's actually making you stronger is like, if you were to like shut it down the rep before and move on and, and put that amount of emphasis into your accessory work, you know, going hard and he- like on your accessory work. Cause that's another thing too, with accessory work, we, you know, you actually want to go put intensity into that too, and, and put a lot of effort into that. You don't want to just like go through the motions. You know, if, if you think about it, if it's like, that's, if that's the work that's going to make me stronger then I, that's what I need to focus on and put my, a lot of my um, effort into. So, so yeah, that's basically what I would, would tell this person. <laughs> you know, and I think that's a great point. Cause a lot of times, you know, at the high school setting, we'll be doing the main lift and, you know, the kids think that's the main focus and they get to those auxiliary lifts. And then it's just like, oh, oh I don't know, I'm going to yeah. be real social with my friends. Yep. Now we're going to talk about the weekend. We're going to kind of go through the motions. Yep. So it's a great message that you just said right there. Those auxiliary lifts. That's where it's at. Yep. You know, that, that's yeah. where it's at. And Definitely. Uh, that's a great point. <laughs> well, Laura, we, you've been an awesome guest. And so for Thank all of our listeners, Queen V Power, we'll have everything in our show notes. I'll get all that from your Instagram and um and, and all that stuff and, and i'll just say it again i you know i'll be in cincinnati at some point next year i want to visit and, yeah and, and check everything out for sure and and see everything so again share the show everyone uh for all of our female athletes coaches everything like this i'd play this a couple times because there's some great information in here um probably going to sound cheesy but if louis simmons was the king or you're probably you oh, are the queen thank so, you. <laughs> thank um, you. just so blessed to you know have met you and and whatnot so hopefully we can continue to develop a good relationship absolutely i look forward to it yeah so we will see everybody next time chop it <laughs> <laughs>